Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 2, Episode 10. We level up and talk all about game prep and D&D tips. That's right, friends. Level 2. Come hear us go up a level, roll some dice, and proceed to chat all about great ways to prep for your D&D game, as well as a number of helpful tips. We also try out a new segment called Treasure Trove. This episode is a special Christmas gift to all of you. Note, if you already have one, you can drop this gift off at any wizard tower. No receipt needed. Hello, friends. It is I, Sean, and my great friend... Epic Jim. That's who it is. And we are here with a very, very special episode. Why is this episode so special, Jim? Because we level up. We level up! Woo! That's so exciting. Um... We've actually given a little thought to this, people, and uh, we decided that level one, uh, like in all, you know, D&D RPG kind of adventures, uh, we're going with the full hit points for level one, so that's 13, and uh, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, together, so our, we have a, we've got a con mod of plus two, so we currently have 15 hit points, and we're going to roll right now to see how many hit points we get for level two. Uh, would you like to make that roll, Jim, of a 13-sided die? Yeah. Seven. Seven plus two is nine, plus our original 15 would make 24 hit points. Ooh, we're not so squishy anymore. This is going to be a scary... These episodes are going to be a little heavier. Like, we can take a bit more now. I like it. Okay, what else do we have on the list for leveling up? Um, We're going to roll for a special skill. That's exciting. Let me pull up my special skill chart. And this is something we can talk about a little later in our main topic today. Um, okay, I'm going to make a roll here. It's a percentile roll. And I rolled 42. We just gained heat immunity. We're immune to the heat and all damage from heat spells, fire, and fire breath weapons. <laughs> More like we can like take the burns from all the people. <laughs> Look at that. So say whatever you want, people. We're immune. Yeah, we can take them. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think we have a couple of things left on our level up. And um, we're going to roll for some new short segments. As most of you guys out there know, we do kind of a, a traditional long segment. Um, today's is talking about uh, DM tips and DM prep. And then we also usually do a smaller short segment. And um, we are going to add five new ones to the mix. We're going to roll randomly on these. Uh, so if you'd like to roll a die 20, Jim, to get us started. 20. 20? Woo! That's the <laughs> big one. All right. Awesome. Jim, that one is a monster maker. That's, uh, that's a pretty exciting uh, new segment, monster maker. Uh, I'm going to roll one. 14. Oh, I like this one. 14 is old school RPG. So we'll talk about all old school RPG elements. Probably a lot of D&D focus, but anything old RPG will be kind of fun. Uh, you're up, sir. One more. Die 20 roll. 14. Uh, roll again. That's what I had. 
Three. Three. Okay, check the list. Oh, you're like this one, Jim. Treasure trove. So we'll be Ooh. talking about, yeah, treasures and all that to go with it. Maybe we'll make up some of our own treasures and stuff. Um, hey. Home you know, brew our specialty. Yeah. Do you want to try that today? Do you want to try and do a treasure trove today? Definitely. I like it. Okay, people, there you go. We are going to do treasure trove a little later on in our short segment for you. Uh, I'm going to roll. That is a six. Uh, six. Oh, this is fun, too. Roll the dice. And uh, I know it's kind of hard to talk about dice when you can't see them. But uh, I think it'd be fun to talk about dice, origins, different kinds of dice, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be, a, I think, a fun short segment. You like dice. I love dice. I'm a dice dragon, not a yeah, goblin. You, yeah, you're much bigger than a goblin, definitely. <laughs> That's cool. Love it. Um, all right. I think one more roll, and we'll see what our last new segment is. Eight. Eight. Uh, right near our last one. Uh, oh, build a campaign. Um, that, yeah, I, we talked a bit about this one. I think we'd do maybe a, a two-parter, make it a little longer, and we'd actually go through what we do to kind of start building a homebrew campaign. And we'll we'll build one randomly on the spot and just kind of put the bones of it together. We'll see if we'd go from the outside in like you do or the inside out like I do. That's right. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> Guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> we won't do that one today. Um <laughs> Well, there we go, people. Yeah, we, we are so, so excited and we're so honored and thankful of all you people out there. Um, sometime a week or so ago, we went over a thousand listens to this silly little podcast, which, you know, blows my mind. And since then, it's gone up like about another 125 or something. It's really kind of picking up some steam. So I know I'm super thankful. And Jim, you weren't thankful, though, were you? You, you were angry. No, I'm uh, very thankful for that. I, I just want oh, okay. to thank all of our amazing fans. Like, thanks for the listening and commenting and reposting on social media, emailing us. It really encourages me and Sean to, like, keep making the silly podcast and keep making it better and better. Yeah, Jim's 100% right. It, it was um, it was phenomenal. We, we are very, very moved by uh, what we've seen with you guys. And we're super excited that 1,000 listeners came right in around uh, getting ready for this episode, episode 10 of uh, Level 2, which is so exciting. So, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, having fun. Nothing's really going to change. We're just uh, having some silly fun uh, rolling up things at the beginning because we want to level up, man. It's exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you again, everybody, and we'll keep keep going. If you guys have any things you'd like us to try and do, send us a message, and, uh, yeah, we'll see if we can work it into the show. We'd love to do that. We love feedback. Um, so what do you think? Is it time to get to our main topic? Uh, well, first, I want to say that the listeners level up as well. Oh, uh, oh, we have we have that power to do that. So I grant them all a level up. Dude, so you're so generous. Just uh, choose your stats and your spells and your feats wisely. <laughs> take take lucky. Yeah, Mage hand is a good spell. Yeah, if you get anything really cool, let us know. That sounds exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, perfect. So yeah. this episode, uh, as we talked about, is going to be all about um, DM prep. Uh, some DM tips, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, the, as of recording this, it is the 7th of December and, um, we're not sure if there'll be another episode before Christmas or not. Uh, there's a lot going on. Obviously it's that time of the year, but if we can squeeze something in, we will. In case we don't, this is our Christmas present to all you lovely listeners out there. A little bit of DM tips that hopefully you can use. And if you're not a DM, if you're a player, Hey, Feel free to stick around and listen. There's lots of stuff in here that's worth worth learning about and hearing about and expanding your knowledge. So 
we're, we're totally not, you know, making this only for DMs by any means. But yeah, we just want to say thank you to everybody and a bit of a Christmas gift. And if we have available, we, we will do another episode, right? If, if we can fit it in. Yeah. And uh, for this Christmas gift, if you want to return it, just your nearest uh, wizard tower and just... You should ask, just, I don't even think you need a receipt. Just drop no. it off at the door and <laughs> leave. Yeah, give it to, give it to Bert. Bert's the, <laughs> you know, the little, little guy at the door and Bert will take it and, uh, yeah, pass it along. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no receipt needed. Love it. Um, cool. So, yeah, th- this is something that, you know, we get asked a lot, um, you know, either through uh, the podcast or just, you know, people chatting with people. I, I know I get, I get hear a lot from people and it's how much time should I spend on prep for a game and, you know, what should I do and how do I prep? And those, those are really hard questions. And um, as always, it's different for every table. Um, I find you can, you never prep enough and you can always, and you always wind up prepping too much, if that makes sense. Um, I, I don't think I've ever had all my prep be used in a game. I've always, almost always had leftover, if that makes, you know, sense. Just, mm-hmm. but at the time it feels like I don't have enough and I'm panicking. So it's a very strange thing. I guess the beauty to remember is that if you have too much, you get to use it for next game and you're ahead of the curve for next game. Uh, it's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And your players are always, they'll always do something different, right? Yeah. You'll, you'll prep so much and they'll go, they'll go left when you want them to go right or they'll, you know. Yep. And that, that's, that's the beauty of the game, right? Like that's, that's what it's about. So for me to help deal with that, uh, and we talked a bit about this before in other episodes, but for me, the, the biggest thing that I do to um, kind of help combat that sandbox ability for the players to have agency and to choose to go where they want to go. So, you know, even if you've laid down some breadcrumbs and, and the direction of the plot might be over towards, you know, the, the left. And like Jim says, they kind of zag and they go over to the right because they're just interested in something. Something pops up that they're interested in. Um, I think a good DM will never, you know, curb that and force them to the left. It'll, you'll just lean into it and go with the right. So the, the biggest thing is a DM is to be flexible to be willing to go with what's happening and just be loose with it. And the more of that happens, what you'll realize is you actually do more role-playing because if you're staying constantly on a path, you're not role-playing, you're more just reading and you're going through what you've done. If you're forced to follow the players somewhere, then all of a sudden you're role-playing like they are. And that can be a lot of fun. You just have to be careful. It doesn't mess up any long-term plans you might have, but uh, you just got to be careful of those things. But to make that really work, what I like to do is... um, Kind of think about what's in and around where the players are and maybe not directly where they're going or what they're doing, but what's kind of in and around things and spend the time and it's well worth, you know, the effort and just have a whole long list of kind of a bunch of NPCs that they may run into in that world. And so you've got their names, you've got their race, uh, gender, maybe some demeanor, um, some voice stuff if you want. We've talked about that before. Um, just a bunch of that stuff put together and maybe a quick note about that uh, person and what, what their role is in the world. Um, that way, when they go places, they're always going to interact with people. And when they're interacting with people, that's when the magic happens. And so instead of having to stop and fumble and trying to figure something out, you can just pull these people out because you've already written about them. And it does take a bit of time, but you'll use it for the whole campaign. So it's, it's well worth it. Um, for me, that's one of those things to have. And then just have some random ones as well that can just be used anytime, anywhere. You can just pull them up. But that really, for me, helps you be a little bit freer. Um, thoughts and additions on that, Jim? Yeah, I've uh, heard some people that they do like the NPC rule chart with like Snow White's dwarves. Mm-hmm. So just take a piece of paper, write happy, doc, grumpy, dopey, bashful, sleepy, sneezy on there, right? And then just 
It's just nice to have something to just kind of lean towards when you're making up an NPC on the spot. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong if you have to do that, you know? Um, again, it does mean you have to be a little bit quick on your feet. If anybody's done improv, either in, uh, you know, high school or beyond that, improv is is your godsend. I mean, that's, that's the thing, to be able to think and go on your feet. Um, what you can do is if you, like I said, if you, if you, the story, the main story is kind of headed right and they had left on a short little thing, you can drop little breadcrumbs in the left talking about what's happening in the, the full story direction on the right. And maybe on this little left venture, they find something that's going to help them out on the, the right venture. If that makes any sense about talking about lefts and rights. Um, but I, I think that's the stuff for you to do as a DM is just to be thinking on your feet and having stuff, um, figured out and put together. Uh, Another thing that I like to do, and um, if if there's an item to progress the, the overarching story, you need the, the players to eventually find this item. Uh, or say there's an uh, encounter they have to have with, uh, you know, the, the, the BBEG, the big bad evil guy, uh, and maybe it's one of their first or second encounters with them, and then they kind of disappear. Do not write yourself into a corner saying that you have to have it happen in this area. Like this ring that they need to find is in a chest underwater in this one pool only. If you put something in a singular place or an encounter with somebody in a singular place, the players may never get there. They just might not arrive there. It just might not ever happen. So I like to go and think about that item or that encounter as a bit more fluid. So I could, if they decide to do this or they decide to do that, I could have it pop up in any of those instances. It, it isn't in just one specific place. It can be in any of them. And if they choose to go left, not kind of the right that you were thinking, if it still is somewhat floating, you can drop it in on the left encounter. Like maybe that's where they find the ring or maybe that's where they have this encounter with the big bad evil guy and more story is developed from there. So if you can allow yourself to be fluid with major plot hooks and drop them in in different places, not in only one place, that will make it a lot easier for you as a DM to get through things. Um, have you found that, Jim? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always have, like, yeah, like you said, like, quests and clues prepped. Uh, not where they are or who has them, but, like, just what they are, right? Exactly. Drop yeah, them same, in when you can. Yeah. Because, yeah, players, you'll, wa- you'll want them to go to the library because the librarian has the key. And for some dumb reason, your characters are going to be going all over town and the library is going to be the last place they want to go to. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't rely on them doing what you think they're going to do because players live by Murphy's Law and will always do the exact opposite of what you think they'll do. And if yeah. you think, if you can reverse psychology them and then think they're going to do the reverse of what you think they're going to do, they're going to do the reverse of that and do the original thing. So no matter what you do, that's just what's going to happen. It just seems to be that way. Um, so make sure important items, be it objects, encounters, information, whatever it is, make sure it's fluid and you can drop it in in different places. I tend to, for myself, I find that very, very important. Um, something that I also like to do is I will have on hand for a game um, one or two nights of what's going on in a tavern. So if mm-hmm. any players decide to go into a tavern, I can tell them what tonight's special is, and that's usually a drink, and I'll come up with some crazy drink and it's fun to play with that, make up some kind of weird cocktail. And maybe to make that cock, you describe what's in it. And maybe it's like, you know, the, the part of it is a couple of drops of the eye juice of a beholder. So it makes everyone kind of crazy and just mm-hmm. have fun with it and come up with different names and have a drink of the night. The meal, what's the meal of the night? 
Um, we've talked about this, Jim and I, that we think like food is totally missed so many times in D&D. Like it's fun. Play with it. We've both written menus for our characters when they've gone in for certain meals. It's fun to really have have a good, you know, good laugh with it. Um, and then I usually like to write down some small events. Like what are three things that are happening in the tavern that night? And one could be there's a there's a regional darts tournament and it's getting very excited. Um, there's a weird kind of old man sitting in the corner and you notice he, he's crying, but the tears are blood. Whoa, that's a crazy hook. What does that even mean? And then, you know, and have another one, throw another one in. And a lot of times I will write these things like what we just said about, about the old man in the corner crying and I won't put anything else. I'll just put this crazy little weird hook and then I'll say it as the party says, you know, I look, they say, well, what do we see in the tavern? And then you start describing some things. You, you know, you see the regional darts tournament. It's getting a bit shovy and pushy and you see an old man in the corner. And they're going to say, oh, can I go talk to the old man? And it's like, sure. And at that point, I don't know anything about that story. I, I know nothing. And I just make it up on the spot and see how the players react to it and see what goes on. And sometimes a whole game has come from that. Um, you know, Jim is literally in our campaign that we've been playing for like six, seven years because I threw in that there was a statue. And you guys have heard us talk about this, that some, you know, NPCs walked into the tavern with a statue uh, of stone of this person and what my players wound up and asked about it, and they got so interested in it, they bought the statue from these guys, and then they had to turn the statue from stone to flesh, and that was just hilarious. And they said, what's the statue? They, they talked with the statue and found out its name, and I just pulled a name out of the air and called him Jim. And it was really pathetic because we actually had my good friend Epic Jim become Jim, and he's now <laughs> playing in the game with us, which is hilarious. But it was all from just this thing I threw out there. I had no idea that was going to go anywhere. And... Those are fun things that you can throw into the game. I say, I call it, has, they have legs, meaning that they can take on a life in a direction of their own and you don't have to do very much. You just put a couple little points down and the players jump on it and ask questions and you have fun and you play with it and all of a sudden you've got a whole little mini adventure happening. Yeah, and it's like super important as a DM to take notes because oh, of that. <laughs> yeah. Take your notes. Take your notes. Um, what I like to do, and this is a great DM tip and I've told this to a number of people and it blows their mind, is... I audio record all of our games. So pre-pandemic, when we used to sit in the room I'm in right now around the DM table and play, um, I bought a microphone that takes little uh, mini chips and you put the chip into it and then you turn it on and it just picks up the audio in the room and I would record the whole session. Um, we play now virtually, so I use the same microphone plugged in the computer and it's really identically to what Jim and I are doing right now. We're on Discord looking at each other chatting and I'm recording this upstairs. So then that's how you guys get to hear it. But what I would do with the recordings from the game is that I wouldn't have to take great notes because if I needed to check anything, I would just listen to the recording, put it on two times speed and kind of zip through it and find out if there's something I missed or something. It releases you from having to write everything down. Um, so there's a, there's a DM tip for you right there that if you want to try and make your life easier and not have to worry about notes and remembering things for the future, you can use a microphone, recording microphone to collect all your information. And then you're kind of, you know, Bob's your uncle, super simple. Yeah. Um, I would like to say my number one priority when prepping for games, having your uh, battles ready. hundred percent. That's oh, yeah. the biggest thing to have. Everything else I can kind of just kind of yeah. go off the cuff with it. But you want like your monster stats with me. It's like get my find the minis for them and the train I'm going to use. Yep. And then, yeah, just kind of make up the rest if I have to. That one's so huge, Jim. Um, we talked about it last week. 
our uh, last episode where I put those little colored dots on the bases of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You'd indicated maybe a colored armband or little skulls uh, on the thing to indicate who's who. And then I'll write down in my DM notes, you know, orc one and I'll have hit points, you know, 15 or like whatever. And then orc two and have it all listed right there on my notes that I print out. I, I type them up on the computer and then print them out. And so when we go into battle, there's no messing around and getting and grabbing stuff. It's like Jim said, you pick up your tray full of the bad guys, you plop them down on the table, any terrain that goes with it, you have their stats, you have all their information, you know their saves, you know their attacks, you know their damage. It's all right there. You just go. Um, I have uh, a certain amount of monster cards that I've collected. I've found some online ones as well that I use. So a lot of times I'll print out these little stat blocks that we'll talk about you know, it, what, what their skills are, what their uh, special abilities are, that kind of stuff. So again, you have it all right on hand. You're not messing around. You're not flipping through books. You don't want to take your players out of it. You just want to be as fluid and seamless as you can. Yeah. Um, music and art is another great thing to have prepped. Just kind of think about where you guys are going to be going. If you're going to be in a tavern, find some tavern music. Uh, yep. If you're going to a creepy cave, look for some creepy cave music. There's lots of lists on Spotify or YouTube all yep. free so yeah and I, if you guys are using online resources still uh i.e discord or something you can attach uh, certain bots uh to your discord channel and you can be playing music for everybody in the channel can hear it uh we do that still um that's great but music really sets the tone and lighting um down here we, i have a bunch of lava lamps and i light candles and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff when we're playing in person uh we often burn incense just all the stupid things to really create <laughs> I want anybody who comes into the, you know, into the, the D&D clubhouse here just to escape the world. And it looks different down here. It's all full of skulls and weapons and stuff hanging on the walls and all the train pieces and mm-hmm. old maps. I just want people when they come in here to kind of forget about life and totally get into the game, just be immersed. And, you know, we did a whole show on on immersion, right? Like, that's so important. Yeah. And it doesn't take much prep. Nope. Pull pull out the candle, make have that ready to go. Have exactly. your music list ready. That takes five minutes to find one online. Like absolutely a long way. Yep. Um, I find when I'm people ask that question a lot, like when you're writing stuff down, what what do you write? You know, if you're not running a module, if you're actually running a homebrew uh, kind of element, uh, how would you write that? Like, what do you do? So for myself, I uh, write it out in blocks. I'll have a header at the top. And uh, I'm going to read you guys a quick example here. And this one says Jim's home in the mountains. And then I've kind of got a blue text box and I can see what I'm going to read out to everybody. You head out. Spoilers. Ooh, spoilers. No, you've played this already. Uh, You head out of the small city and walk through the snow towards a larger mountain. After a couple of hours, you exit the foothills and locate an old path that winds up into the mountains. It looks old and rarely used. The hike isn't too hard. And about one and a half hours, you arrive at an ancient stone archway. And then in brackets, I have something that says show picture. So for Discord, I have a, I'm sharing my screen and I have a whole bunch of photos lined up. So I'll, then I would show the picture of this mountain. Uh, when we play in place, my DM screen has a, it looks like a, a castle and I have a drawbridge in the front and I put an iPad in the drawbridge and I share it to the iPad and I show everybody what that would look like. But I have a note here telling me to, to do that. Um, Then I say the twisting path extends up into the highland. It is very old, but firm and easy to walk upon. And then I got something here that says investigation DC 14. So if anybody wants to investigate, I know the DC is 14 and it says the flagstones used for large steps look worn, but not from recent use. So somebody wants to learn a little bit more. I put in some notes for myself if they want to learn. 
And then, uh, yeah, and you just kind of go from there. And again, if you put in things like show picture or if there's somewhere you think there's information that can be learned, put in an investigation or a perception and put in the DC for yourself, figure out what it is and then write, you know, what those things are. Um, if there's multiple things they can learn, I'll put a whole sliding scale. I'll put in like five bullet points starting at DC 15 up to DC 20, say, and every single one of them, I'll write a new thing they can learn if it's a really important spot. Person rolls, if they roll 18, I'll read everything from, you know, 15 to 18. They get to hear three things that they've learned about that place. Um, again, like Jim said, it's just all being organized and having this stuff ready to go. Um, Sometimes you write a lot, like kind of what I had just read out to you. Other times you don't have a lot. You have some basic points. You have uh, your potential battles. And then you, like I said, you have a few things laid out there, like the tavern notes. So you can have people in a tavern or something. And, and then you go and just, it's just play. Yeah. And you don't have to, I know a lot of DMs, they'll like focus on making people roll for investigation all the time. If you want your players to find something out, don't make them roll for it. Like just let them see it. You know, you don't have to make them roll every time if it's no. important information. Yeah, and you and like I said, in what you're telling them, be descriptive. Think about think about what you would like to hear if it was you. Like I like to say it that way. If you were a player, what would you like to know about this new area that you've just walked into? And think of the senses. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? Maybe someone's licking the wall. Um, you know, all those different senses. What is it for all those? And try and write. And describe that for everybody. And I think, think about it as a cut scene. When you go to somewhere new, like you see that cut scene between video games and stuff, what is, what are they really seeing? And you're, you, you are, you have to remember it's in your mind. You have to get it into their minds. So think about all the different things that's going on and what they might be experiencing and put in as much information as you want. And then if there's some stuff you want to hold back and you want them to learn, yeah, make them do it from, from a role if you want. But like Jim said, you don't have to, it's, it's as much as you want to give to those players. And, um, yeah. And it's just being as aware of the environment as possible. Um, we're pretty much talking about homebrew right now. Um, if, if you're playing from a module, for me, what that means is just lots and lots of reading. Like mm-hmm. read the module through and through, make notes in it if you need to, highlight certain parts. Um, do not, and I, I, boy, you can if you want, but I think that's like going on a tightrope without a high wire act mm-hmm. without a net. Don't ever play as a DM a, a module you've not read. Like it, you can't successfully do that. Just go into a blind. Um, I think you're going to be umming and ahhing and flipping pages and panicking. And and it's you just have to know the the material. Don't you think, Jim? Yeah, I've had a couple of DMs do it live. Like they're finding out stuff as we are, and it's not great. <laughs> no, it can get confusing and you can get lost. So I, I think you really need to read it. You need to make notes. Um, there's nothing wrong with modules. There's a bunch of amazing modules out there. Um, but you just want to be careful about it, about the way that you, uh, that you interact with it. Make sure you know the material. If it's your homebrew world, you know the material a lot easier because you made it up. So it, that's for me, that's why I love homebrew is because it's kind of your world and your ideas makes it a little bit easier to work with. Um, so anyways, that's kind of what I think. Uh, it's up to you guys, however you want to want to go through and play it. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. And like I said, you, you, you'll never do enough prep and you'll probably do too much. It, it just always seems to work that way. Yeah. I find another like important thing, like this is, this isn't stuff in the game, but outside the game, like, and make sure you have your, all your stuff in your DM toolkit, like have your dice, whiteboard, markers, battle maps, whatever. I know that sounds silly, but I've had DMs where they start and then they're like, oh no, I don't. 
I would have the monster manual or, you know, like make sure you have your stuff before you you play. Yeah, no, it is. It seems silly to say that, but you're right. Some people don't think of that. I I hate to say it, but a good DM is an organized person. It just is. And if you're not an organized person, if you know you're a person who's a bit more in chaos, I'm sorry, pull up your boots, man. Like you've got to get organized because if not, it's hard for the players because they'll get frustrated because there's stalls. It takes them out of the game as you're fumbling. You just want to try and keep it as smooth as you can. So if that's something that you're not good at, just practice. Everybody can do it. Just be aware. And you may have to put a little bit more time into it to practice, to be organized. But like Jim says, that includes having all your materials, having your stuff ready, having spent time in advance to know what your kind of, what your goals are for the, for the game. And hopefully those line up with the, with the players and, if it isn't be prepared to go on a journey with them to somewhere that you didn't plan to do. And that's fine. That's, that's the exciting part of the game. Um, I, I love um, doing, and you've seen, or it's not, no, no one's seen us. They've heard us do random encounters and weather and all those kind of things. That's some of the reason we like to do those uh, as uh, segments on our show. Cause it gives you guys an idea of how you can do that. If you know, you're with your, characters you're sorry with your players and the characters have decided to go off on this left journey how you can pretty easily roll something up what's the weather like have a weather chart to roll on what's the environment like have an environment you know to roll on uh lovely mr jim sent me a christmas present and uh, in the christmas present was these amazing dice uh and they're called what is it jim story cubes or yeah yeah story cubes and you get um what is there uh nine dice in there nine dice six with all different things on the side and you can roll and start making a whole story. They're all little pictograms on them and you can be figuring stuff out and plotting out a little mini story. You can use that as a random, you know, kind of encounter of stuff going on. Anything, you know, if the players have gone off the, off the map, basically Mm -hmm. have stuff ready to figure out what's going on. Don't just try and pluck it out of thin air. You can, but it's going to put a lot of pressure on you. Have some, some tools available to do that. Yeah. I always, uh, I like giving the story cubes to my players when uh, we're traveling Cool. Just to, just to kind of see what happens in that six hours or however long. I love that. I love you get. I love that you're getting your players involved in it. That they're kind of, you know, addressing their own fate. With the story cubes, like I give them to my players, they'll roll them, and they always try to give themselves treasure. So one thing with that, just <laughs> always throwing cursed items. Love it. And, and you know what I think is really interesting too. You say the word cursed items, and immediately everyone thinks it's like really bad. But, you know, I've done fun stuff with cursed items. Like I've given to low level characters, you know, a um, cloak that gives them a plus one on stealth. But it's the cloak of the goat. And randomly the coat just goes like the cloak goes. Even though it's stealth, every once in a while, it'll just bleat and make this noise. It's kind of like a cursed item. A cursed item doesn't have to be like the worst thing in the world it can have such little tiny consequences but really add some humor and some fun to the game yeah. uh so think of it that way too and if you are looking for a really bad cursed item just google uh <laughs> cursed spoon five yeah e. oh yeah. that doesn't sound no. good no cool <laughs> um awesome is there anything else kind of we wanted to touch on for dm prep jim uh anyway if anyone's still struggling Buy and read the Lazy Dungeon Master book. Yes. That saved me hundreds of hours of DM prep. Yeah. It's it's a really and it's it's a small, thin, it's not hardback, it's a soft cover book. Uh, it's on audiobook too. Is it? It's pretty cheap. Like I remember buying the book for not very much. 
Yeah. But yeah, it teaches you how to like minimize your DM prep and like maximize the prep you do do. So yeah. and a great book to have on hand again, if something is going on that's not been planned or anything, you can always pull that out and that can help you get through that session. So again, just being organized and having stuff available. Are we good? Yeah, I think so. If uh you guys have any questions about DM prep, just email us at uh, crystalball at 13sideddie.com and we'll uh, help you with your game. Yeah, totally. We'd love to do that. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break here and uh, we'll be right back. Fantasy Factoid. Did you know D&D, the game we all know and love, has been owned by four groups in the last 48 years? It started with Tactical Studies Rules who turned into TSR Hobbies, Inc. in 1975, then purchased by Wizards of the Coast in 1997, and on to its current owner, Hasbro, in 1999. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to continue talking about some uh, DM-related aids and stuff. Uh, We're going to get away from a little bit from the prep and a bit more into the game itself, so a few little tips. Um... Last episode, you heard me talk about the little colored dots. We mentioned them a little while ago. Those are a great way of helping you uh, just to know the minis on the table. Um, What I also like to do to make it easier, and it's it's been pretty much because of the virtual game playing, is uh, on all my um, players' characters, on their little minis, I just took some cardstock. I painted them bright colors, you know, red, yellow, pink, blue, green, brown, whatever. And then I just cut them out, these little discs, and they're just a little bit bigger than the one-inch bases, and I taped them to the bottom of the bases so when the players are playing, they can see their figures immediately because they're picked out with bright colors underneath them. Um, You can just paint the bases bright color as well if you'd prefer. Uh, It's just really up to you. Obviously, the minis we had are all painted up and made to look nice, and they weren't done for that. Uh, But that's a great little tip to help people identify their minis right away. And for me, because we're not playing with either... um, D20? What's it called? The online service that you can use and move your stuff around? Roll20. Yeah, Roll20. Roll20. Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds. Uh, We've used Owlbear Rodeo is a really fun one too. It's kind of a newer one. Um, But we're not using that. I'm still using, because I make trains, so obviously I want to use it. So I'm still using a lot of cameras set up looking at the train, and then I move all the players' figures and the bad guys' figures. So for me, it helps as well to see the bright color of the mini. I can recognize who's who really quickly when I have to move them. Uh, So that's just a little in-game tip that I've used, uh, to help. Um, Jim, any, do uh, you have any tips for anybody? Uh, for online? Yeah. Cause like I'm saying I'm a caveman when it comes to technology. So <laughs> I'm, if I'm doing that, it's just a screen and make sure that there's a theatrical one I find helps. And then a camera pointed down. Yeah. So they can actually like really see the grid. Yeah. Yeah. That is really helpful. You can purchase uh, little rings that will say, you know, either bless or, Mm. you know, haste and those kind of things on them. If you don't have those rings or access to a 3D printer and get those done, uh, what I do is anytime there's a pop bottle of different varying sizes, whatever, when you break off the bottle cap, the cap, there's still a piece of that, you know, cap connected to the bottle, that ring. I pop out those little colored rings and I have a whole envelope full of those colored rings and then when somebody is either asleep or hasted, like I said, or any of those kind of conditions, I just hang one of those rings on that little mini, try and pick something that maybe color-wise works with what their condition or spell is, and they're free because you're, you know, you just break them off the pop bottles you already have, and you can get a collection of them pretty fast. So Yeah, uh, those I, I was just going to say, I have them too. So yeah. after you take like about 20 of them, just stop. 
That's, yeah. that's fine. Stop you don't need anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop drinking pop because it's not healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, but th- that, you know, again, like I said, you can purchase the stuff, but you don't have to. There's so much of this game that you can do just really with a little bit of creativity and and not worrying about it. We talked a little bit about having uh, your preparation of stuff, things available to you. I love to have lists of things. So I've got a whole directory on my computer and a lot of the stuff I've printed out and they're just all quick lists of things. So, uh, you know, a quick list of treasure, random treasure. So if somebody finds something that you weren't expecting or doing something or whatever, you could just quickly roll on a treasure list and give some people some treasure. Uh, We talked about tavern drinks. I like to have those available. Um, Random items, just having miscellaneous random items. So when somebody says, you know, like, oh, I dig through this box, what's in it? You don't have to be, oh, there's um, there's things in that there box and they're exciting. You, you actually can say, oh, yeah, you know, when you look at your list and it's like, oh, you find, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of sewing um, accessories and there's uh, some weird metal cubes and you just have a whole list of stuff that you can pull off and put into there. And again, you don't know what they do, but if someone asks more information about it, then you can make it up. But you've got something that you started with, you know, an object or something, and it makes it so much easier to kind of just improv and role play on it but you're not having to think what is in that box because you'll get inside your head and you'll think too hard. Yeah. And if you need time, like, so like Sean said, with the metal cubes, I'm already intrigued about them. But <laughs> if you don't know on the spot what you're going to do with them and the player goes, well, well I need to figure out what's up with these. Go, oh, you kind of get like a magic hum from them. You're going to have to go talk to a yeah. high powered wizard. Yeah. Then they'll get, they'll give you, you know, some time. Exactly. Yep. Throw obstacles in people's path. That's your job as a DM. For me, your job as a DM is to throw obstacles in the path of the players that they have to go and figure out, maneuver around or whatever. And your biggest job is to mess with their heads and try and line up two or three different tasks at the same time. And they have to literally figure out the priority. Well, if we do this one now, it's going to save us time in the future, but this one's really important. And someone might die if we don't do this one. And I love watching the players fumble around trying to figure out which one they should do first. Um, That's a huge DM tip is mess with your players, not in an evil, mean, terrible way, but give them more to do than they can handle. Um, we always have uh, jokes in our group and everyone has different jobs. Like someone would be like the prop master, prop master. And they'll have to run and grab props to put on the table when something's happening. But they'll be like, you know, a, tr- a treasurer who keeps track of the treasure and the gold and whatnot. But they literally have a, a person in charge of the list. They call it the, qu- the quest master. And the quest master is just in charge of writing down all the stupid things that they need to do. Oh, we still have to go over and talk to the person about that. And we have this, we have to do and that. And so as a DM, the more things you can throw at them to keep adding to their quest list of small mundane to very big quest things, it keeps them going. And you as a DM keep track of what those are. And on your off time, write a little note, add a little bit note to that one little smaller quest or that one thing. So if they choose to do one of those, you have stuff ready to go on it. But the more things you throw at them, the more it takes them to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. And if you need like 15 minutes to research something, just uh, hit them with the three lock door. It gets them every time. Yep. Or it's time for a quick break. Let's go and have a, you know, a, a bio break and get some more potato chips or something. And then you can sit there and read through some stuff quickly if you need to. Um, totally fine to do. Um, I love giving fun things. Like people, th- when you talk about like magic items and receiving magic items and crazy stuff, um, people talk about like, you know, cra- it's always some kind of, they always be thinking of a crazy thing with wicked power and blah, blah, blah. You can give really silly, inane, fun magic things to players. And I found nine times out of 10, they actually get more use and they enjoy them more. Um, 
I've talked about this one before, but I want to mention it. This one is a shout out to my uh, super old, old buddy, John. He is uh, the DM, has been a DM for many years in um, the campaign I'm a player in. I've known John since high school. Um, I've learned so much about uh, D&D and specifically being a DM from playing with John. Uh, love you to death, buddy. Um, and one of John's thing was a magic sandwich. And I've used the magic sandwich in a couple of my games, and it's just a kind of a nondescript kind of wax paper kind of wrap, and inside of it is a sandwich. And when you unwrap the, the wax paper, each day it's a different magical sandwich. And a magical sandwich means you can just keep cutting pieces of it off, and you can just keep, yep, here's a piece, and you cut another piece, and you get to someone else, cut another, and it's an endless amount of sandwich for people. So it's really fun because if they're out, you know, traipsing around, they've got food. Um, I've had players like have a party and then host the party by cutting sandwiches and keep giving sandwiches out to everybody. Uh, they've used it to parlay with people like, pull out, hey, are you hungry? Would you like some sandwich? And they'll cut sandwich and give it to somebody they're trying to have a conversation with for the first time and break the ice with a sandwich. Um, but to do that, I went and found an online sandwich generator. So there's a website <laughs> and if you hit, you know, how many you want, it'll bring up two or three sandwiches and it tells you the name and a fairly good description of what kind of sandwich it is, like what's in it. And so I'm, of course, ruining things for my party because they're going to probably listen to me saying this. But when they ask what kind of sandwich, hit random sandwich and bring up our sandwich and tell them about what the sandwiches of the day. Um, silly little magic item, but it's so much fun and people get a big chuckle out of it. Yeah. Make sure you give that to your players when they've already leveled up a few times. You don't want to give that to like yeah. a level one where they'll they'll abuse the hell out of that thing. Make, yeah. Once they have create water and food and stuff, then, then give it to them. Yeah, Jim's 100% right on that. You want to make sure you do things at the right time. Um, I've seen people actually really overpower stuff. I, I think, um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I think it's people who are a little bit naive with the game. They've not played it very much. It's fairly new to them. And that's an exciting thing. And I, I'm so excited to hear those stories about people getting into the game. But I think they're so eager. They just want to experience everything. They start throwing everything at people right away early. And we've talked about this before. This is this is a marathon. It's not a sprint and when you're playing D&D, unless you're playing like a one shot, if you're playing a campaign, it's something that goes on for a really long time. Like literally campaigns can take years to complete. So there's lots of time people bring the stuff out, you know, at a nice pace. Don't throw everything at everybody right away at the beginning because that's just not how it works. It's you, you overpower your players and it's just not cool. And then you got to overpower your monsters. Yeah. And that, that's more work on your part. It's like an arms race. Yeah. Right, like trying to make sure you're balanced, and yeah, it's it's crazy. Another little tip that I like to use my a lot of my bad dudes, unless it's some kind of really big big battle with somebody special. A lot of my uh, minis for the bad dudes are all just pre painted minis. So I bought, you know, uh, Jim's famous. He buys flats, like dozens and dozens. Like he buys container ship loads the of bricks. His cubes of his bricks of minis. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I converted to pre-painted minis about five years ago. Before that, I used to have all non-painted, and I'd try and paint them myself. And I've painted so many minis. I, I'm just kind of I I'm gonna get bad bad uh, bad comments on this. I'm kind of tired of painting minis, and uh, I don't get the enjoyment out of it like I used to. Um, if it's for myself or a player character of my own, I love it. Still love doing it. But just painting minis for the sake of painting minis, I I don't enjoy it as much. Nor do I really have the time. I'm too busy making terrain. Um, so having pre-painted minis for me was like a godsend. It was like, wow, these actually look pretty good or good enough. And especially for generic things like orcs, goblins, you know, all that kind of stuff right through. And then if it, like I said, if it's a really big bad dude, yeah, I'll paint that one because that'll be fun. 
but for most of the generic stuff, I'll just use pre-painted stuff now. Thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, don't don't worry about the bad comments from that. We have burn immunity now, so that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the pre-painted, and even they throw like lots of good character minis in there. They do. I'm I'm really amazed with the quality of that stuff. Yeah, it's getting better. So yeah, honestly, I love them. And then that's like DM prep, right? It's less time that you guys yep. spend painting minis. Yep. And you don't have to buy them only in the cubes and hope cross your fingers you get something. Like I have actually gone online. There's a number of websites where people have amassed a bunch of the ones from your box cubes and everything. And you can go and buy like, you know, 20 goblins in one batch and just buy them. And some of the places, as long as it's not into like a rare character or something, if it's a more generic characters that was just had a ton of them, you can buy them for fairly cheap and kind of equip yourself for not a ton of money. So I find that to be really, really helpful. And they also um, sell the bricks. So the so in a brick, there's eight boxes. And if you buy a brick of bricks, so four cases of eight of the brick or the boxes, yeah. you are guaranteed one of every mini in those ones. Oh, wow. It's a fortune. But if you really want one of every mini from that set, <laughs> you if, can if you really if you really want to do it. Yeah, uh, I usually uh, go halfers with a bunch of DMs. That's we'll a really good it, idea. Split four ways. We get the giant one. Then we're guaranteed at least one of every one. We yeah. draft it out by weight. And then after we all open up our boxes, we do some trades. And usually everyone's pretty happy with what they get. I think that's a really smart idea. Yeah, something else I'd like to chat about just quickly, Jim. I have a couple of things here. Um, one is in regards to experience. And uh, I have converted across to milestone experience. Uh, with this campaign, we've been playing it for about three years. Uh, before that, I used to do individual experience for players. I'd keep track of what people said, what they did, give them points for it, and da-da-da. It's a great way of doing it because, you know, people get rewarded for what they do. But I just found it took so much of my time just to figure out everyone's experience. And after seeing some other people, uh, Critical Role, a few things like that, using Milestone experience, just deciding that the party has all as a group gone up in level, I found that to make my life so much easier as a DM. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm always a milestone DM. I would find that experience should only be used if you're a very veteran DM. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And then you yeah. got to make sure that your monsters aren't too overpowered. And it's hard that way, too. And you always, at the end of every battle, you got to give experience that way. And It's just a lot of work. And you can do it if you want. I did it for... Oh, we played for like three, four years, one campaign, and I used that in the whole time and just kept track of everyone's experience. I'd send them an email after the game, and it, it just became too much in the end. I, I was really burnt out and tired from doing it, so uh, I just didn't feel it was worth it in the end. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk on is um, something that I decided to do for my players. Instead of having, you know, giving them individual experience, um, I love the idea of having, uh, you know, what they've... With, we have in the game with inspiration that was added to 5e. I absolutely love it. Maybe inspiration was in four. I don't remember when I never played four. Um, but I love the idea of giving somebody inspiration. But I found that players tend not to use them very much uh, for a start. They seem to hoard them. And secondly, that doesn't allow you to give them out very often. So I, I kind of shook it up and I created these little tiny pieces of clay. I made them look like little coins and um, I called them experience chips. So anytime anybody had a good idea on something, I would throw them across an experience chip. And the idea is that once you had four experience chips, you would get a token of inspiration. So you would cash it in to get your token. That way I'm constantly throwing these things out to people for good ideas, heroic deeds, whatever. And then they'd get their token of inspiration. 
The idea being that if players know these are coming quite frequently, they can use their tokens of inspiration a little bit faster. Um, I also allowed them to have uh, up to two tokens of inspiration at one time. And I told them that with a token of inspiration, they are able to obviously roll with advantage, remove disadvantage, impose disadvantage on an opponent, re-roll a bad roll, make your successful hit a critical, gain an extra attack, gain a reaction. Um, they could use inspiration for like instant success on an insight check. So if they rolled insight, they could put a inspiration chip down and immediately gain success without rolling. And then one death save success. You could only be used at once, but you could use a token of inspiration for a save on death save. And then on a, if they used two tokens, they could do a called shot, which would be an auto crit without rolling to hit. So you drop two tokens of inspiration, you get a called critical shot like that. Um, or they could do a full save. If your character has been dropped, you can drop two tokens and do a full save, no rolling. Um, and then I did throw this in and it's in written in my notes says this is in test mode and it can be done <laughs> once a game. And if every player in the party dropped one token and put them all together, they could overturn a DM decision and rewrite the outcome. <laughs> so I think we only ever tried using it once so far, um, but it's an interesting, like I said, I wanted to work with it and see what it was like, but I, it was just, I wanted this idea that we could use inspiration and the ability to hand stuff out. So uh, I put this into effect, the game, our last game we played right before the pandemic. So since then, it's been a little bit harder to do it because you're not in the room with the people to hand out the little chips and keep it going. Um, but it's a, it's a bit of a, a spin on inspiration. If people want to try it out, certainly go ahead and give it a whirl. Uh, I found it to be really, really effective. And I love being able to throw stuff at people all the time. But yeah, that was a great idea. Boom. Was, I love that what you did there. Boom. And just kind of throw these little um, experience chips at people and they can accumulate them to get a token. Yeah. I um, love the idea of you do like handing them out frequently. Yeah. yeah. I just use like normal inspiration tokens. So they're usually far and few between. Yeah. I found it to be really, really fun. And uh it's also engaging. It gives you a chance to engage, I think, with your players a lot more in some ways, too. So that I found that to be really good. But anyways, um, that's a lot of talk. That's a, a lot of DM tips I think we're throwing out. Yeah, basically, you're a professional DM now if you've listened to this episode. So congratulations on that. You just leveled up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, Jim? Or are we, uh, we kind of getting close to calling it for our uh, main topic? Yeah, I don't think so. I think this is a lot of information for people to take in. So That sounds good. All right, folks, we're going to leave it there. Uh, we're going to be back here in a couple of seconds, and we are going to have our brand new segment on uh, Treasure Trove. And we'll Ooh. be right back. Woo! Treasure Trove. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to do a Treasure Trove now. It should be pretty fun. I'm excited. I was just going to say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So why don't, why don't we start, Jim? Do you want to figure out what the item is? All right. Our first one. What would you like me to roll? Um, let's see. So I, I'm actually old schooling this, and I'm consulting my original Dungeon Master's Guide, the AD&D Guide. So why don't we... Uh, do you want to start kind of with a weapon of some sort? Sure. Okay, so give me a die 100 roll, and we'll figure out what kind of weapon it is. 99. Holy schmengies. Um, 
Okay. Well, this is very specific. This is a spear, and it says it's a cursed backbiter. Hmm. That sounds awesome. Um, okay, so I think it would be really fun then to work with this a little bit. Let's uh, first of all say that it does have some sort of plus to it, right? Why don't you give us a die four roll? And we'll see what kind of level of magic it has. Four. Holy smoke. So this cool weapon does have the ability as a plus four spear for throwing or we'll say for stabbing. So plus four hit, plus four damage. Um, But because it is a cursed backbiter, whenever you roll and if you make a successful hit, it also does damage to you. And um, what do you say? Like it does like a one die four damage to the person using it or how much damage would you? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's plus four, so. I think so, eh? So plus four spear backbiter, and it uh, does one die four to... So does it do damage to the person every time you use it, or only if if you roll a crit, or how... Because if every time you use it, it's doing one die four damage to you, you can only, depending on your level, you can only use it for so long before it wipes you out. Uh, I would say uh, every time you hit, probably. Every time you hit, okay. Because it's a plus four, so that's... Yeah. Pretty good weapon. And I I'm would getting all... some uh, crazy orc chieftain vibes off this. Yeah, right. And I would say because it, it does take damage from you, it has to dole out quite a bit more damage than normal. So I would say trying to remember on weapon charts, uh what how much damage does a spear do normally? D six, I think. I think it is D six. I would say this because it does take damage from you. How about it does two die six damage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can choose to use it. You're going to do some good damage, two die six plus four, but it's going to do one die four damage to you, which is kind of trippy. Do you want to add anything more to this, Jim? Is there any other special power you want to give it? Or is that a, do you think that's a, as a cool treasure type item? Uh, that's pretty cool. We just got to think of a name for it. Uh, Grom's backbiter. Oh, I like that. Grom's backbiter spear. Yeah, it totally has like uh little skulls hanging off of it and what know, are the skulls what are the, what are the skulls made of? They look like Kender skulls. Kender skulls. Are they real <laughs> skulls or are they like carved out of something? They're like Ah, uh, you'd have to roll investigation. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, four. I have no idea. So it's got yeah. Kender skulls. <laughs> nice. I love how you got D uh Dragonlands into this uh podcast again. Every episode. Nicely done. Cool. And how about the spear part of it? Oh, definitely made a bone. Bone? Some sort of of big bone. I like it. All right. So you can see, guys, just a couple of quick rolls on a table and then just riffing with it and playing. I mean, you can go with exactly what the table says if you want, but um, it's my experience, and I'm sure Jim's from playing. It's fun to have things with a bit of a twist. So the idea here is that your players, you know, are rooting through an old cellar or they've come across a, you know, it's the the layer of something they've just defeated. And in the layer, they find this old spear. But as they kind of do some looking at it, maybe do some research and stuff and maybe attuning to it or whatever, um, it's this uh, spear, Grom's backbiter and uh, old bone looking spear. And it does, you know, two die six damage with a plus four, but... And maybe the person doesn't know that it backbites. Like the first time they use it, that's when they find out. That's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, that's kind of our first piece of treasure. I love it. Cool. All right, Sean. Roll a D100 for me. Ooh, D100. Big roll, people. 
That would be 73, my friend. Mm. Lantern of Revealing. Ooh. Ooh, that's fun. Okay. What can it reveal, Jim? I know. We'll have to figure that out, won't we? Um, uh, I'm thinking it probably gives the person who's attuned to it maybe uh, like a plus to their investigation rolls. Okay. Or um, how Advantage about it? even. Yeah. Or seize invisibility. Mm. Could it be that is powerful? That, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a nice rare item. Mm, cool. All right. Um, so how about it um, allows you to see invisible creatures or objects and maybe it's like a is it an all the time it does that or a couple of times a day you can use that on it what do you think yeah probably three times a day okay three times a day on your investigation rolls it gives maybe you plus five plus five or just advantage advantage is pretty powerful yeah let's do advantage let's make this this is a very good it- item the reason you heard that in my voice was that I come from years and years of playing where you had to keep track of all the pluses. So when I advanced to 5e, I fell in love with advantage and disadvantage because you didn't have to keep track of any pluses anymore. It's just like advantage, disadvantage, and it just made it so simple without having to add stuff up for players, and I just made it easier for them. So I'm a fan of advantage. Um, okay. Um and I'm going to throw one more crazy thing on top of this. We're, we're going to make this a wicked, wicked uh, artifact. Yeah, love it. It is invisible itself and only the bearer <laughs> can see it. So when the bearer is holding it or the, like the owner of the lantern can see it all the time, but everyone else, they don't even see if they're, it looks like they're not holding anything. Um, well, does it uh, like emit it any light? Um, I think it lights up only for the bearer. Like nobody else sees. Oh, light. wow. So it's not like something I think you would have at the, I don't know, this is my idea. We don't have to go with it, but I think only the person using it can light up to see things in front of them and it doesn't help anybody else. Oh, or I does love it. it. Or, maybe, or maybe it lights up for everybody. I don't know. What do you think? No, I like it just for the bear. Okay. And seeing invisible things or like that, it's only again for the bear. They're the only one that sees it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh. when you attune to this item, it yep. actually it makes your pupils look like little flames. Oh, Cool. So you see, guys, we're just totally, and I'll be honest with you, and this could have been in the DM tips, talk with other people. If you have opportunity, just riff and have like a little jazz session with another DM friend, because the two of you will bounce ideas back and forth. And trust me, you'll get way better ideas than if you did it alone. Um, And that's all Jim and I are doing. We're just like making stuff up right now. It's just a lot of silly fun and you can come up with some really cool stuff. What is this lantern made of? Like, what does the bearer see it looking like? Probably like kind of mithril looking or like very silvery looking. I like it. Or should it be like eth- uh, ethereal? I kind of like the mithril idea. Like it actually looks metal, but how about it? It's like mithril, but it's got a really cool glow, like maybe a blue mm. glow to it or something. Yeah. I mean, man, I would love to find something like that in a treasure trove. <laughs> what do we call it? Fire, fire eyes lantern. Ooh, fire eyes lantern. Lovely. Okay, that's cool. That's that's a very powerful item. But like not too powerful. <laughs> no, no. It's got a lot going on. I think it's really cool. And again, I love items that have stuff that's a little bit different. Like I like the idea that's invisible, you know. Um I like that our our spear was a, you know, it did damage back to the person. They have to choose how often they want to use it. Um I love items that just have a little bit more going on other than just like they're magical and you get a plus or, you know, they do this. It's fun to play with it a bit. 
Cool. So one more item. Let's have a look. Give me a D100 roll. 83. 83. I'm on fire today with these rolls. You are. Wish I was playing today. That looks like it is a trident of warning. It is worth quite a bit of money. I'm liking it already. So I love the warning part. I think that's really cool. Um, and for me, I think it's something that in a specific situation of some form of danger, you could actually do something to have it emit a sound that is maybe only heard. And then it brings um, a certain amount of sea folk or sea creatures to your aid. Like something oh, maybe like that. instead, like I said, like a vibration. Yeah, 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 yeah. It emits this vibration. Like if you stab it into the water and press like this jewel on it, it emits this vibration out of the water. And then you could have a roll on a certain table to see what kind of sea creature would come and help you. It helps. So you said it's worth a lot of money. So we think like gold and just yeah. totally uh, put together with lots of jewels and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So golden, it, covered in gems. Yep, golden gems. I think, um, obviously, it's got a, a plus magical nature to it. I'm going to roll a one die four and see how strong it is. Oh, I rolled a four as well. Holy smokes. So it's a plus four trident of warning. Um, does it do anything else for the, the bearer? Or is that, is, that a, is that a lot already? should probably put one more thing on here. The other items. Yeah, they had... So if it's of a warning nature, is there anything else for warning that we want to add to it? Or I kind of feel like a protection thing from it as well. If it's a warning thing, almost like there's some kind of protection. Yeah. With it. Maybe you can. It, uh, so the gems, you can like put spells in them. Ooh. Like maybe the, the top gem is like a gem of spell storing. Wow, that's cool. So it's a plus four trident of warning. It is gold and coated in gems. Uh, one gem, if you press it and place the uh, trident into the water. You'll call upon some creature of the waters to help you. Uh, and the other, another larger gem towards the top of it, you can actually put a spell into it that you can click and use a spell at some point. Ooh. That's sick. I love it. Wow. Um, what's the name? It's trident of Warning? I kind of like the Trident of Warning. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just go with that, eh? Yeah. Kind of works. Love it. That's and then... Cool. It should it should have something like engraved on it, or you know I mean, maybe mm. some like mermaids carved into it. Yeah. Okay. How about this? How about instead of pressing a gem, it has something written on it, and when you say that and stab it into the water, that's how it calls upon a creature to aid you. Yeah. So maybe there's like a, some kind of phrase, and having like little mermaids on the beginning and end of the phrase. Yeah, magic phrase between carved mermaids. And then we, we don't even have to think that up. That's for the DM to figure out. Totally. Is that for sea elves or? Yeah. Wherever you plunk that in your game. Yeah, I love that. Lots well, of civilization. I hope you guys kind of got the idea. Like, you know, we're just rolling on a couple of charts, making a bunch of stuff up and just coming up with some of these items. And, you know, I think any of these three items would be really fun to have thrown into a campaign. If, if anybody wants to use them, please feel free to go ahead and use them. There's no, no problems there. And if you do, let us know. Um, either send us a message and, or, uh, you know, on Instagram or, you know, uh, send it via email to crystal ball at 13 sided die.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you.
Awesome. I'm definitely going to use these in my game, so he might be seeing them. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think people just need to realize you can be very loose and have fun with this stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, like you said earlier, if the weapon's too powerful, put a curse on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here before these orcs show back up. I got you, buddy. We're gone. <laughs> Next time on 13-Sided Die. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed uh, the episode today. We had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, so excited to have leveled up and to have brought all you amazing people along with us. That was really fun. And a lot more coming. Uh, we're so excited about how this has gone. I'm truly, truly glad, Jim, that we did do this this year. And I, I just can't thank you enough for coming on this journey with me. I've had just so much fun doing these silly little podcasts. Yeah, thanks, man. This is amazing. I love doing this. I think we've said it before. For me, this is a highlight because it's it's not about, um, you know, how many clicks, how many things, have we sold anything, let's make some money. It's nothing. It's just literally just for fun. And uh, I think that's just been so, so great. I just really look forward to doing these. And uh, I hope people are getting stuff out of them. We've had some really good comments from everybody. So I think they are. Um, and we just love doing it. We, we did mention that we don't know if there'll be another episode before Christmas or not. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, there's a lot going on. If we can fit it in, we will. If not, we'll be back in the new year. Um, I don't think we are going to set what the next episode is because we don't know when it will be. Um, but there is an episode that you would like to talk about uh, coming up probably in the new year. And what would that be, Jim? Yeah, like uh, new year, new you sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just like dealing with uh, health in the hobby. Just, yeah. uh, how to Like dealing with burnout and how to overcome it, staying healthy mentally and physically. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think it'd be pretty helpful, so. Yeah, it is very easy to get carried away with all this stuff. So I think it'd be good to sit and chat a bit about that. And uh, I yeah. love that idea. I know uh, I got burnt out doing my uh, art gallery diorama. It's my birthday tomorrow. And usually on my birthday, I plan to uh, I lock myself in the fungin for a couple of days on my days off. And I just hobby away. And Yeah. But I, I'm so burnt out from that. Uh, my <laughs> last project I did a couple of weeks ago that I just kind of want to play video games and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and I shouldn't feel bad about that. So never should feel bad. Um, (laughs) I get not getting into this episode in advance, but I get a lot of people say to me like, yeah, I really want to make something, but I just don't know what should I do. And I'm like, don't do anything. Like don't force creativity. You should never try and force it. Cause if you do, you're not going to enjoy what you did. You're not going to like what it looks like. And then you're going to be more down on yourself. You, you, you be creative when you feel creative. And if it takes a bit of a gap to get there, that's okay. Um, but you can't be hard on yourself because, a lot of times we're just stealing time away to do things. And so you want to make sure you enjoy it when you, when you get the time. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think video games sound a lot of fun, Jim. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we also want to say thanks again to everybody. Such great support this, uh, this last year doing this. Um, I guess we only started in August, so it hasn't been a year's worth, but uh, it has been quite a bit. We've enjoyed it. Uh, we've had some great, great comments. We try and read them on the show when we can. And we did receive this one a little while ago and um, it is, uh, somebody sent us an email and uh, it says, Hey guys, D man here loved the episode. I learned a ton about Dragonlance. And I'm excited to dive into that in the near future. Sean, you're so smooth on the mic and a pleasure to listen to. You're a true natural. Like I've said before, the man, the myth, the legend, Jim, you're really funny and compliment Sean's personality so well. Your knowledge and passion for tabletop gaming is so cool to listen to. You guys are great. And the podcast is so much fun and I'm not lying. And in brackets, it says end of episode nine. Ha ha ha. Keep creating dudes. D-man DIY miniatures. And uh, boy, I think that money we we sent him to say that was well spent. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I sent him a little extra to uh, talk up Dragonland, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a nice. Wow. I mean, that's just such a great comment. I, I, I find it actually hard to read some of these things like that because it just kind of makes me feel a little bit weird when people saying mm-hmm. nice things about you. Like, it's just so nice. Um, and uh, we are just so, so blessed to have so many great people listening to these two silly fools talking about uh, D&D. I, I think it's just awesome. I love it. Yeah, we truly appreciate all of you. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, and you know, with that, it's that beautiful time of the season. Please enjoy if you can, spend time with loved ones and and just don't be hard on yourself. Like, you know, take it a day at a time and just enjoy what's going on. And uh, yeah, if you have time to hobby and craft, please do so. And uh, we will we'll be back hopefully soon and uh, we'll continue the uh, adventures from there. Uh, anything yeah. to say, Jim? Uh, just adios, everyone. I love it. Adios. Thanks, everybody. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure, to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-Sided Die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Bobble and torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.